0: Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, February 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, the key moments from Friday's debate attacks between candidates rise in New Hampshire, a brief fundraising update, the latest and last polls for New Hampshire, and Iowa. Always Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. The New Hampshire primary is tomorrow. It's 22 days until Super Tuesday, and 267 days until the general election, and here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. All eyes on New Hampshire, where Democrats across a spectrum of political stances are saying as they go to sleep each night, don't F this up. Internet scene fighting is finally broken out in full as the top candidates remaining in the race jockey to get a result that gives them a more definitive story to tell than the mess in iowa by the way iowa 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 we'll get back to iowa later in the podcast iowa let's catch up from the debate friday night was the eighth democratic national committee debate and more fur flew than usual it was a crowded stage and nobody seemed to take real advantage of their opportunities the consensus is that Senator Bernie Sanders did best, delivering a few rousing lines that sounded like a front-runner rising above the fray to talk about more critical issues, including foreign policy. He launched an impassioned defense of the Constitution in the wake of President Donald Trump's impeachment trial ending and said he opposed the killing of the Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. You're opening the door to international anarchy, he said. Former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, despite his arguable win in Iowa, was defensive and didn't advance new positions. A moderator scored a body blow on him by hammering him on drug arrests, which went up during his tenure as mayor. He pivoted to discussing gang violence, which is not a great way to appeal to two key groups, youth who heavily favor decriminalization or legalization of various drugs, and people of color who are heavily disproportionately targeted for drug offenses. He did deliver the classiest and possibly most moving line of the evening. While he said this, former Vice President Joe Biden looked honestly a bit touched. Mayor Buttigieg, do you think that there's a danger for the Democratic Party to nominate a candidate who is still under the threat of investigation? No. And and we're not going to let them change the subject. This is not about Hunter Biden or Vice President Biden or any Biden. This is about an abuse of power by the president. the, The vice president and I and all of us are competing, but we've got to draw a line here. And... To be the kind of president, to be the kind of human being who would seek to turn someone against his own son, who would seek to weaponize a son against his own father, is an unbelievably dishonorable thing that is just one more example of why we as a party have to be completely united in doing whatever it takes at the end of the day to make sure that this president does not get a second term. Vice President Biden. Well, I thank my colleague for saying that. Biden did not shine. He essentially admitted he was not going to win in New Hampshire, which was a little charming. But he also tried to celebrate the, quote, politics of the past, end quote. And that was not a great look. The three top men got substantially more talking time than the two women on stage, Biden about 30 seconds less, and Buttigieg at about 18 and a half minutes. Senator Amy Klobuchar managed to get words in for 16 and a half minutes, and Senator Elizabeth Warren just under 16 minutes. Klobuchar had one of her most effective performances. She needs to find more support and a message to keep advancing, and her attacks on Buttigieg were pointed and specific. She critiqued his leadership style. It is easy to go after Washington because that's a popular thing to do. It is much harder, as I see Senator Shaheen in the front row, such a leader, it is much harder to lead and much harder to take those difficult positions because I think this going after every single thing that people do because it's popular to say and makes you look like a cool newcomer, I just, I don't think that's what people want right now. We have a newcomer in the White House and look where it got us. As a moderate, she has to win support from either Biden or Buttigieg. With Biden waning, she is trying to position herself as a seasoned leader to attract Buttigieg's supporters. I'd like to talk more about Warren, who finished third in Iowa, still performs well in polls, and was seemingly the frontrunner just months ago. But she didn't stand out in the debates. She's not standing out of the pack right now. Despite that finish, she's been erased from many of the discussions after Iowa, which have focused almost exclusively on Sanders, Buttigieg, and Biden. Her strongest moment in the debate was this, talking about the Democrats taking the black community for granted. You know, I'm glad to stand on this stage with my fellow Democrats who talk about how important the black community is, at least at election time. Year after year after year, election after election after election. Democrats go to people in the black community and say, boy, we really care about these issues. Racism is terrible. We all want to do something. And then somehow, the problem just seems to keep getting worse. Well, I think it's time we have real concrete plans that are going to make a difference in people's lives. Following the debates, candidates seem to go into full attack mode. Biden released an ad attacking Buttigieg's lack of experience compared to his own. Obama called on him, Joe Biden helped lead the passage of the Affordable Care Act, which gave health care to 20 million people. And when parkgoers called on Pete Buttigieg, he installed decorative lights under bridges, giving citizens of South Bend colorfully illuminated rivers. Biden also keeps warning that Sanders' socialist label will backfire and that Sanders can't attract enough Hispanic voters and voters of color. Biden said this weekend, quote, it's a bigger uphill climb running as a senator or a congressperson or as a governor on a ticket that calls itself a democratic socialist ticket, end quote. Reports indicate Biden has attracted only small crowds in New Hampshire, however. Buttigieg and Sanders are hurling barbs at each other, too. Sanders has homed in on attacking Buttigieg for having what he described as contributions from over 40 billionaires. Buttigieg has been trying to pin on Sanders the notion that Sanders can't compromise and won't listen to others. One bit of fundraising news, Warren's campaign said it raised over $2 million in the lead-up to New Hampshire and had set a $4 million goal. She said on Sunday, quote, there are 55 more states and territories after this, end quote. And Klobuchar raised over $2 million just following Friday's debate, her campaign said. One of the big outstanding questions as negative campaigning among Democratic candidates increases is whether the nominees who fail in their quest will be able to convince their backers to shift support behind the party's pick. David Leonard wrote at the New York Times in this issue. He noted about Democrats focused on guessing whether one candidate could be elected over another, notably a more progressive and more moderate one, quote, if the primaries don't turn out as you hope. Will you still do everything in your power to deny Trump a second term? Or will you instead exaggerate your differences with the nominee, say, complain about Sanders or Warren as a Trump-style radical, or buy into the caricature of Buttigieg as a corporate tool, or retweet, with outrage added, the least enlightened things Biden or Bloomberg has ever said, end quote. Okay, on to the polls. Polls. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag, thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes, and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's tryplexiderm.com code VOICES. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. tons of polls this weekend and this morning, but let's start with CNN's latest. This was conducted by the University of New Hampshire Survey Center, and it came out just this morning. It's CNN's final poll before tomorrow's primary in the Granite State. The results are both shocking and not surprising. Shocking based on standings just a week ago, not surprising based on how quickly narratives change, and undecided voters lock in on who they think has a chance to win. 365 likely Democratic primary voters were asked who they would vote for in the primary if it were held today. This poll has a margin of error of plus or minus 5.1%, and it came in as Sanders, 29%, Buttigieg, 22%, Biden, 11%, Warren, 10%, Klobuchar, 7%, House member Tulsi Gabbard at 5% and businessperson and entrepreneur Andrew Yang at 4%. Just to be mathematically precise, Sanders and Buttigieg are within each other's margins of error, but Biden and Warren fall far below that. Biden wasn't expected to do well in New Hampshire, and in previous CNN polls, Warren has never polled highly, despite being a senator from the adjacent Massachusetts. CNN's pollster asked these questions three times in overlapping ways, starting before the Iowa caucus until just yesterday. The results were all quite similar. But there's a big swing from the same poll in January. Sanders gained, Buttigieg picked up more, Biden dropped several points, and the rest were roughly the same. Again, the margin of error provides a cushion against disappointment, but with multiple identical questions asked repeatedly over time, you get a sense of the direction of things and the likely order of finishing, if not precise numbers. Also critical to remember when looking at these polls, you also need to look at the confidence of voters if that question's asked. In the same CNN poll in January, 49% of voters were still trying to decide, 20% leaning, 31% definitely decided. Well, people asked February 6th to 9th had shifted a lot, but still, 28% still trying to decide, 21% leaning, 50% definite. That is a huge percentage of the potential voting base, which means we could still see unexpected results. Drilling down further, 42% of those who say they would vote today for Sanders are definitely committed, but only 18% for Buttigieg, 14% for Biden, while 26% of those picking Buttigieg say they might change their mind, but only 15% for Sanders and 10% for Warren. There are a bazillion other New Hampshire polls out from Friday afternoon through today. So let me do some quick takeaways. The numbers from all of these polls survey likely Democratic primary voters in New Hampshire. American Research Group has Sanders at the top with 28%, and Buttigieg surged from 12% to 20% since their January poll. Biden remained at 13% in both, and Warren at 11%. Klobuchar had a jump from 7 to 13% between January and February. These gains all seem to be from lower-ranked candidates and undecideds. 400 people were surveyed. Margin of error is plus or minus 5%. The University of Massachusetts at Lowell and YouGov conducted a poll February 4th to 7th, That showed Sanders at 25%, Buttigieg at 17%, Biden at 14%, and Warren at 15%. Again, some surprising leaps in just a week since their previous polling. Biden down 8%, Buttigieg up 5%, and Warren down 4%. However, this poll of 440 people has a plus or minus 6.5% margin of error, making it noisier than many others. CBS News took the pulse February 5th to 8th and found broadly similar results and rankings. Sanders 29%, Buttigieg 25%, Warren 17%, Biden 12%, Klobuchar 10%. They spoke with 848 voters with a plus or minus 4.3% margin of error. In this poll, 94% of voters said they had probably or definitely made up their mind. A few polls had slightly different results in order after the top two candidates This is significant because nobody among the top five Iowa finishers has any plan to drop out, and the next four or five may stay in through Super Tuesday at least, and Iowa and New Hampshire are deeply unrepresentative of the country as a whole. 7 News, Emerson's final poll conducted February 8th and 9th, had Sanders at 30% and Buttigieg at 23%, but Klobuchar came in high at 14%, followed by Warren and Biden at 11% and 10%. This poll spoke to 500 people and had a plus or minus 4.3% margin of error. Compared to another poll by this group just a few days ago, Klobuchar has knocked up quite a few points. Suffolk University, Boston Globe, WBZ-TV put Sanders at 27%, Buttigieg at 20%, Klobuchar at a whopping 14%, then Warren and Biden at 12%. They spoke to 500 people February 8th and 9th, and the poll had a plus or minus 4.4% margin of error. The Boston Herald, Franklin Pierce University, and NBC has Sanders at 23%, Buttigieg at 20%, Warren at 16, Biden at 14%. That's a 10-point drop from the previous poll for Biden, an 8-point drop for Sanders, and a 12-point rise from Buttigieg. That survey was taken February 5th to 8th and has a 4.3 plus or minus margin of error for Democratic voters. As I said before, we will never leave Iowa. 100% of precincts are in, and the final results are the same as Friday. The final precinct finally reported. Delegates assigned are 14 to Buttigieg, 12 to Sanders, 8 to Warren, 6 to Biden, and 1 to Klobuchar. Except that candidates are asking for a fresh look at results in dozens out of nearly 1,700 precincts. Sanders' campaign wants a re-canvas from 25 precincts and three satellite caucuses that they claim have errors. Fixing the errors, the campaign says will assign one more delegate to Sanders, tying him with Buttigieg by that measure. Both would then have 13. The AP refuses to declare a result because it says irregularities and challenges could change the outcome. They published a whole story about why they're not stating a winner. But also, the Iowa Democratic Party says even if the math is wrong, tally sheets cannot be recalculated from what's written on them because they were certified. The New York Times also ran a big roundup on Sunday of the start-to-finish debacle in Iowa, revealing more clearly how problems hidden in previous election years were laid out in the clear. Coupled with that was the fact that nobody was trained and nothing worked, so it should have been obvious early on that everything was going to fall apart. I'm only exaggerating slightly. Go read the story. This sounds a little too much like the right-wing parody of how the Democratic Party works. It seems increasingly likely that Iowa will lose its first in the nation spot for Democrats in 2024, and the caucuses may go bye-bye as an official nominating tool. We dropped them here in my home state of Washington since the last cycle because they were seen as too exclusionary and unrepresentative despite the positive aspects of direct engagement with one's fellow citizens. It's hard to make that engagement scale, and so it may be more appropriate for local party operations instead of statewide ones. We are never leaving Iowa and that's the election roundup for today i am your host glenn fleischman you can find this podcast on twitter at election podcast or on facebook at facebook.com slash election ride home i am also on twitter at glenn f that's g l e like frank tune in again tomorrow for the next election update thanks for listening and have a pleasant rest of your day